Afternoon, church family. Uh, we're at that point in the week where we have the opportunity to open up the Word of God once again and something to uh, give you the shot in the arm for the rest of the week as you look forward to gathering together on Sunday. And so before we begin uh, our text today, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, this new day. We thank you for midweek and uh, what that represents uh, in relation to uh, our, our walking with you each and every day. Uh, we are thankful that we have the ability to communicate it in this way and, and for the ability to have your word that we can have uh, uh, where we can listen to it, we can pour it into our lives each and every day to be that encouragement and that pick-me-up that we need uh, in our spiritual lives as uh, the world continues to uh, find ways to drag us down. And Lord, we ask that you would use your spirit today to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we are in uh, a new section, uh, Sadhi, uh, in your uh, uh, divisions here in the, the Hebrew text. Uh, and we're going to be taking a look at verses 137 through 144 as our next section, which I'll begin reading to you now. It says, Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your roles. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is, for, uh, is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I might live. This section I've entitled, God's Word is Righteous and True. And we will see that theme played out in this section in multiple uh, aspects. And so let's begin uh, as we take a look at verses 137 to 138. Verse 137 says, Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. One aspect of God that we need to remember, uh, whether we are uh, a young believer in Jesus Christ or a seasoned believer in Jesus Christ, is the fact that God is righteous. And God always uh, does that which is right, because we know that he is infinitely and unchangeably right. Uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 4, it says, The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. See, God is the standard of what is right. And as we take a look at the world in which we live, we find out very quickly that the world denies that there is a God, and therefore that standard uh, is not there. But we as believers in Jesus Christ understand the importance of God's word, as we've been studying Psalm 119, but also, too, as we're reminded here in verse 137, that righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. See, God is our standard, not mankind not a standard by which we uh, ourselves pull together based off of uh, maybe what our own convictions may be in relation to this, that, and the other. We're talking in relation to how we, as those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, should live in this unrighteous world. Something else as we think about God being righteous is the fact that he is absolute in his righteousness. Psalm seventy one nineteen says, Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. And who has have done great things, O God, who is like you? 
Well, it's a rhetorical question because there is no one like our God, and he is righteous in everything that he does, and his righteousness reaches the high heavens because God's righteousness is everywhere. It's absolute. But he also rules in righteousness or rules righteously. Psalm 97 verse 2 says, Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So everything that we live for, everything that we uh, hold dear is based in the fact that our God and his throne itself uh, is a, has a foundation of righteousness and justice. So God will never misjudge a situation. He will never rule in an unfair way. He will always do that which is right because our God is righteous. Because he judges righteously as well. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So here we're we're given a promise that those who look forward to Christ's appearing uh, will receive that righteous crown, uh, because our God is a righteous judge. But God also delights in righteousness. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, it says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So here, even in the prophet uh, Jeremiah, we see very clearly that if there's anything that we want to speak to, anything that we want to to rise up and to proclaim, the, the, the one that rises to the very top of everything, including the wisdom of man, the might of man, the riches of man, uh, uh, if we're going to boast in anything, let us boast in the fact that we understand and know who God is. And that begins by realizing that he is righteous. And the thing is, is, the psalmist says, righteous are you, Lord, and right are your rules. So not only is God righteous, but God's word is also righteous because its source is righteous. Isaiah forty-five nineteen says, I did not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. So the very words that come out of our righteous God's mouth are words of righteousness. And see, the psalmist in verse 137 makes this declaration, but also verse 138 repeats the truth from verse 137. As he says, you have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. We know that word testimonies is another word for the word of God and God's law. So you have appointed your word in righteousness and in all faithfulness. I like what James Montgomery Boyce says in relation to this section. He says, the Bible mirrors the character of God. Anyone who cares about knowing what is righteous and wants to act righteously should study the Bible. So right here, as we you know find ourselves camping in this section of Psalm 119, as we are thinking about the importance of the Word of God in our lives, 
you know, what James Montgomery Boyce is saying is this. If we want to care about anything as a Christian in this world, if we want to care about that which is righteous or how we should act in a righteous way, you do that by digging into the word of God. Because God's words are righteous, and the God who gives those words is also righteous. Well, the psalmist goes on in verses 139 and 140 uh, to uh, speak to his zeal. You notice there in verse 139, it says, My zeal consumes me because my foe or my foes forget your words. Well, so let's unpack that just for a couple moments. Uh, zeal, by definition, is an eagerness or uh, uh, an ardent interest in the pursuit of something. So he's saying that I have an eagerness, I have a, an interest and a desire, a, 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 a pulling in this direction uh, in relation to your word. And notice that the psalmist is proactive in this. He's not passive. He's not waiting for God to, by osmosis or by other means, to fill his mind and his heart and his soul with things that pertain to God. He says, my zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. So he's looking and, and saying, well, all, everything that I am, all of my energy, all of my action is consumed in this, this righteous indignation or this righteous anger or jealousy for those who do not remember God's word. And I think today as we look at our, our current culture, it's actually quite easy to see uh, even as the psalmist wrote this so many years ago, that even in our country today, that we should have a Zoom that consumes us, uh, a Zoom, a zeal that consumes us, because there are people all around us that have forgotten God's word. They have eliminated God from the culture, and therefore that righteousness and that that truth are things they're going to be missing the word forget here in the text is to be oblivious of from want of memory or attention. So in other words, they've removed God from uh, their minds. They've removed God from before them so that they are oblivious of the fact that God even exists or that there is something that speaks truth. And it reminds me of what Jesus did in his first cleansing of the temple in uh, our account in John chapter 2. Verse 17 says, His disciples remembered, and it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me, which is a quote out of Psalm 69.9. See, Jesus, as he came into the the temple courts, he realized uh, what they were doing and their misuse of the temple instead of it being for people coming to offer sacrifice and to glorify God, they were using it for their own personal benefit. And so Jesus had a seal, a zeal for uh, God's house, so much so that it consumed him to cleanse the temple of those errors, those unrighteous acts. Then verse 140 goes on to say, your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. God's word is well tried or it can be defined as pure like refined metal. You know, we have a doctrinal statement at Ellington Baptist Church because it's important for us to know what we believe. And one of the, the, the very first ones there at the beginning is that we believe in the absolute authority and accuracy of the 66 canonical books of the Bible 
It's full verbal inspiration in the original manuscripts, and it's all sufficiency as the Christian's rule of faith and practice. And it cites there 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, which we know speaks to the fact that God's word is breathed out by God himself, and that it is profitable uh, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And we also know the scripture there is 2 Timothy 1, 19 through 21, where it speaks to the fact that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the fact is, is the reason why God's word is well tried or is pure like refined metal is because God himself has safeguarded his word. It is his words which are true, which are righteous, which are given in faithfulness that speak truth into the servant's life. And you'll notice he says he loves it. So what are are some reasons to love God's word? And with this I close, I give you four. It is the word of the eternal God. This is not someone's, you know, own input. This is not man trying to figure out and put his finite mind around everything that's going around the world or in things that he doesn't yet even know because he hasn't experienced it. This is the word coming from the eternal God, the one who has no beginning and no end. It is the word of life and truth. So in other words, it speaks to salvation, it speaks to how we should live the Christian life, and it never lies to us. It always tells us that which is true because our God is true. It is the word of the gospel of grace and salvation because we are made wise unto salvation. We are told about our need of a Savior and about Jesus Christ, God's Son, Emmanuel, God with us, coming for the purpose of being gracious, but also telling us of our need and providing the way of salvation. And finally, it is the word of reconciliation and the kingdom. Because the word of God tells us about the fact that we can have peace with God and do so for all of eternity. And it tells us of what is yet to come uh, and the kingdom that we will enjoy and the place that God is preparing for each one who belongs to him. And so, church family, as you finish out this week, as you contemplate Psalm 119, verses 137 to 140, don't forget that the word of God is righteous and true. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are righteous and true and faithful, that we never need doubt, we never need a question that you uh, have any error or that you are somehow lapsing or that you would not understand the culture uh, because your word is true. Your word is truth and it transcends time because your word is eternal because you are a God that does not change. So who you were before you created is the same God you are today and the same God you will be for all of eternity. And we can take comfort in that. And Lord, I pray for each of our church family that that would be something that would give them hope, that would fill them with joy, and would give them your peace as they find themselves in a world of turmoil. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, church family, and thank you for tuning in this uh, Wednesday, April the 7th. And trust that we'll see you uh, this coming Lord's Day.